to Avatar with Academics. My name is Sam Mulberry, and I have never watched Avatar The Last Airbender. And I'm Annie Berglund, and I have watched it before. Annie, we have made it to Book 3, Fire, Chapter 14, Boiling Rock, Part 1. Or we could say we've made it to Boiling Rock, because this is a two-part episode um, that on Netflix is framed just as one kind of double episode. Uh, I presume this aired as a as two pieces i didn't i didn't actually look that up i thought maybe it hadn't but uh i'm not sure well at least it's divided as part one and part two on netflix so i think in at least i i okay let me rephrase that i'm gonna make some assumptions i assumed this originally aired as one special long episode but then in rerun it would air as two parts yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. You know, cause that, that's usually how this works. So like, I would love to see the previously on for part two. That's one of the things we don't get when, when Netflix frames like this, it does have the clear break where it says, you know, chapter 15 boiling rock part two. So like, it is mm-hmm. clear where that break is. Um, I'm just going to say uh, from the jump, this is, this is an apex episode for me. Uh, I mean, Boiling Rock is, you know, part one and two. This is this is about as good as Avatar gets for me. So I was, mm-hmm. I, my daughter and I were talking about our favorite episodes, um, and I would say, without overthinking it, my three favorite episodes in some order are Sokka's Master, Boiling Rock, and Zuko Alone. Which actually says a lot about what I like about Avatar, I think, because Aang is almost not in any of those. I love Aang. Like, I love Aang. <clears throat> but Sokka has become kind of my favorite character. Zuko has uh, always been somebody I've been really interested in. And, you know, as you get into season two, he becomes so unbelievably important. This is just this perfect... Uh, this It's a perfect fusion of kind of everything that I love about this episode. Like, my favorite characters are in it. People that I've been waiting for them to come back are in it. My favorite villains are in it. Um, there's a lot of interesting kind of character pieces. Plus, it is both a buddy movie mm-hmm. and a prison break movie. It's like, okay, yes. like, could you... So it's like kind of a heist movie, too. Like, could could you... It's, and it's a double prison break movie. We get yes. We get two of them. Yeah, and I am so in for any heist movie. Like, it could be the cheesiest thing on the planet, and I'm like, yes, I'm on board. I also I also knew that you would like this because I read that this was the longest previously on, and it's funny you mentioned that. This is the longest previously on that any episode gets is for, I think, Boiling Rock Part 1. Is that that makes sense? Interesting, because I, I did write a note here um, about the previously on, but it didn't strike me as particularly long. What's and, inter- what's interesting about the previously on is that it's understandably entirely Sokka. Like it's all <laughs> they're all Sokka beats. It's Sokka and his dad, and feeling like he abandoned his bad dad. It's Sokka and Suki, or excuse me, Sokka and Azula talking about Suki. So like it does set up kind of where this episode's going to go in that way. Yeah, for sure. Um, it, and it does have a lot of. Uh, elements of, d- of different people coming back. And I know that that's something you love. And it's also interesting, your three choices, uh, there's hardly any bending in any of those mm-hmm. three favorite episodes. Like in this one, we don't, I mean, like you said, we don't get a lot of Aang. I don't even know that we see much bending. Uh, I actually read that um, 
In the second part, uh, it's the only episode in the entire series where there's just one form of bending that you see. Oh, really? Yeah, I guess it's only I guess it's only fire, right? Yeah. 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 So it's like a totally different tone. And I know that you gravitate towards the characters that like that don't have those bending abilities, but like still are able to even mm-hmm. like outperform people with those. Right. Because I think that's an, an interesting aspect of this world is that bending seems like this central power. But then there is this this other thing. So, you know, so characters like um, like Suki, the whole Kiyoshi warrior situation I love. Uh, Piando is really interesting to me because he does not appear to be a bender, but pe- appears to be this powerful person. Jet, um, it would, the freedom fighters in general, like those are all people who I find, uh, and, and, you know, and then obviously Sokka, you know, I find really, really, really interesting in that way. So, yeah. And I also love when they create scenarios where benders can't bend. Yeah. You know, um, and we'll talk about that in this prison, uh, you know, th- th- this because uh, I think that I think that's really, really interesting. Um, one other thing that's fascinating about Boiling Rock Part One, mm. and I'll just bring this up before we jump into it, is that I was curious because I loved this episode so much. I was curious who wrote it. Um, and the, the 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 primary writer, the right, the, the credited writer for this episode is a woman named May Chang, May mm. Chan, sorry. Um, and this is the only episode that she wrote. So she was a staff writer for, uh, season three. The first Mm -hmm. episode she's credited on as a staff writer is the puppet master. And then she's on a lot, you know, most of the, the second half of season three, she's a staff writer, but this is her one, the one time she's credited with, uh, written by, and it's great. It's a really yeah. great episode. So, like, I just I just found that really fascinating that this was they were bringing in new talent, you know, as the show went on, and uh, she wrote one of my favorite episodes or half of one of my favorite episodes. So, yeah, and she got it spot on, especially as somebody who came in later. Like, she clearly knew the tone of the show. Mm-hmm. Some of the funniest jokes are said in this episode that fits so well with what we know about the fun of Avatar. And I'm glad you brought that up because it is, like I said, it's it's a buddy movie and a prison break movie and a heist movie, but it's also very funny. It's a buddy comedy is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and yeah, I think this is a this is an extremely funny episode. It's also like a uh, a pretty propulsive episode. Like it doesn't it doesn't drag it doesn't drag at all. I think we talked about um uh on the firebending masters like I, that I that I kind of got a little bored with parts of it because it didn't have a B plot. This has no B plot and I'm not bored for a second. Uh. Yeah, it's it's it felt like even with a two-parter, it felt like there was so much going on that it just it went by in a second. It didn't feel like it was how many minutes is that? Like 50 minutes? It's like 47, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it did not I there was not a point of lulling. Lull, like it was not it did not slow down at all. Abs- yeah. Absolutely. So let's 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 jump into the summary. And this episode's going to be a little different because we are going to do this as two episodes. So if you're listening to this, hoping we're going to get all the way through Boiling Rock Part 2, uh, next week we're going to do Part 2. So we're just going to do Part 1 right now. Um, but, you know, we'll, so we'll probably have a little bit less at the end of the episode in terms of closing thoughts because 
we want to do more of that after we get the full arc and it's you know we've seen boiling rock part two at this point so like to make predictions about <laughs> what happens next is sort of strange because we've we're we're gonna right when we finish recording this we're gonna record part two so like right. we'll, we're recording this as if it's one piece you're gonna get it in two so we'll just tell you that right uh right from the jump all right so let's jump into the summary uh the episode starts we open on our extended gang um all sitting around the fire at the western air temple at night um and this is going to be the only one of the only glimpses we get of uh, of the group as a whole. So it's interesting, you know, they, they made this big point at the end of the invasion about how, you know, now we have this ex- extended crew and we're bringing these other folks along. And now I think we're f- four, this will be four and five episodes in, and we still haven't really done anything <laughs> with, uh, with uh, Haru and, and yeah. Pipsqueak and, uh, and the Duke that they're just sort of there, but they are really ignoring those characters. Yeah, we. I think at the end of um, the Black Sun two parter, we were both like, "Wow, this is like extending the family. Are we gonna get some like big family moments with all these people?" No, <laughs> that has not happened. Right, right. I still hope I, there, there's still a little space uh, for those folks to um, show their worth in two ways, in narratively, in terms of kind of like what you know, do the, do they serve some important function? And also just story-wise, comedically, like, like you know, there have been a few moments like when the the Duke mentioned, you know, that his name is not Duke, but it's the Duke. Like, okay, that was pretty funny. Um, and then just the, just the joke about how they <laughs> kept finding reasons to leave so everybody else could have a conversation. But beyond that, so, you know, we don't get anything. So they're sitting around the fire and Zuko is... Um, I, I loved this little, this little subtle story point. Zuko is making tea for everyone. Uh, because this picks up a theme that's going to run throughout Boiling Rock, which is Zuko is trying to kind of imagine what it's like to be Iroh, right? Because he is now the firebending teacher. So he's really trying to embody Iroh, kind of what he learned from Iroh. Um, so so making tea seems like a, a fitting thing here. Um, so he tries to tell everyone one of Iroh's tea jokes. <laughs> but he totally fails. He's like, oh, this reminds me of a joke my uncle told. And he says, well, I can't remember how it starts, but the punchline is, leave me alone, I'm bushed. And like, there's no response from people. They just sort of sit there because why would there be? That's not a joke. Yeah, it's right. just, it has the indication of a pun in it, but it's like, I don't know where this is going. Um, and he says, well, it's funnier when uncle tells it. And, uh, and, and Katara uses this as an opportunity to kind of take a shot uh, at Zuko. Cause we know that there's some tension there and she's like, you know, well uh, maybe that's because he remembers the rest of the joke. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, everybody kind of laughs at Zuko's expense. Um, but then we see Zuko's response to that is he kind of smiles, you know, mm. feeling this sense of acceptance right that that it again this i feel like this episode has a lot of subtle character moments and there is something about that fact that it stays on zuko's face for about a beat longer and we see his his lips kind of the edges of his lips kind of curl up into a smile of like oh this laughter is a good thing this laughter at me is a good thing yeah he's actually we see him actually making friends and it is a very endearing opening like 
it is kind of it's sweet Zuko. We don't really get sweet Zuko that much. And um, I think if we had if someone had made a joke like that at his expense in season one, he would be furious. He would over exaggerate his um, emotional response to it. Right, because we've never really seen Zuko have friends much. I mean, he has mm-hmm. Iroh, who, you know, is is a, a mentor and a teacher and his uncle. You have Mei, who's his girlfriend, but he's always kind of weird about that. You've had him encounter other people, but he's never great. I mean, like Zuko alone, he, you know, is at a distance from the kid. Um, you know, Lee, he's always like, he's always holding himself at a distance and this, one of the big themes of Boiling Rock is we're going to see Zuko. Actually, he's like a, he's really a good friend. He's good at being a friend. He's good at being a wingman. He's good at, you know, being part of a, of a, of a buddy group. So you kind of wonder like how different would his life be if he had been surrounded by like a good group of friends? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So um, so Zuko's handing out the tea and Toph comments that it's nice that they have a chance to relax. Uh, everyone seems to be unwinding except for Sokka. Sokka seems troubled by something. And when Zuko comes to bring him tea, uh, he asks Zuko if they can talk. Now, one of the things that I noticed was everybody's drinking the tea and nobody's having a reaction like, oh, this is terrible. Yeah. Which is what I expected. I expected like he's going to be bad at making tea, but clearly he learned because nobody nobody seems to have even a unspoken reaction to what they're drinking. Yeah, I feel, and then I remembered like, oh, this is probably the first thing that Iroh made sure he could do well, right? Like, I don't think Iroh would sit there and like take bad tea without complaining, you know? Like, that's like the one thing that he would like complain about if it was bad. Because don't we see this in, uh, is it the chase? Oh, or yeah. the one after this? No, it's bitter work. In bitter work, he makes tea for Iroh. Remember, and Iroh like throws it out the window yeah. secretly. So we know there was a point where he was bad at making tea, but maybe working in the tea shop in the Dra- Jasmine Dragon, like he actually learned uh, learned some craft there. I mean, he was pouring the tea very well. Like he looked, it it looked like he had studied this art. Yes. Uh, so so Sokka asks if they can talk, and the two walk off to have some privacy. Uh, and Sokka asks, you know, where the f- uh, where the Fire Nation keeps its prisoners. And Zuko's like, well, what do you mean? Who's captured? He's trying to kind of suss out what Sokka's talking about. Uh, and Sokka says, when the invasion plans failed, some of our troops were taken. I just want to know where they might be. And Zuko's kind of evasive about this, and he says, I can't tell you. Um, and Sokka kind of pushes at it, and and Zuko says, trust me, knowing will only make you feel worse. Mm-hmm. And there's this moment where Sokka reaches out and puts his hand on, um, on Zuko's shoulder and says, it's my dad. He was captured too. I need to know what I put him through. And there's this, I mean, I feel like that's the, this sort of first moment of connection. Cause up to now there still has been this tension with Zuko being there, but there's just, this is this moment of Sokka kind of reaching out, physically reaching out and saying like, I'm going to open up to you right now. Mm-hmm. My dad, uh, my dad has been captured too. Uh, and Zuko says it's, it's not good. My guess is they were taken to Boiling Rock, the highest security prison in the Fire Nation. It's on an island 
in the middle of a boiling lake. It's inescapable. And Sokka asks where it is. And Zuko says, why do you need to know? What are you planning? Sokka says uh, that Zuko's being paranoid. And Zuko says it's in the middle of a volcano between here and the Fire Nation. You guys actually flew right past it on the way here. And Sokka thanks him and sort of feigns like he's sleepy and going to bed at this point. And here kind of also starts some cool parallels between Sokka and Zuko that I had never really seen before. Uh, even just thinking about a parent that is imprisoned, and we don't know what happened to uh, Zuko's mom, but it seemed like from his discussions with Ozai, like we got perhaps maybe an idea that she could be out there somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. And so like you have a missing parent um, and you feel some responsibility for why that parent is missing. So it's like, I don't know that Zuko was going to tell him where this was until Sokka was able to be vulnerable. And then they both could relate to the idea that like, yeah, somebody who they love, who uh, is there to protect them, they didn't protect uh, when... Um, when uh, and, and then they face these consequences, right? Mm -hmm. Well, and that's the situation with with Iroh too, where it had mm. had been right that that uh, Zuko sort of abandons Iroh yeah. uh, in the Crossroads of Destiny, and then he's actually you know seen Iroh in prison, visited Iroh in prison, and he himself felt the need to break Iroh out of prison. Uh, yeah. Iroh beat him to it, but <laughs> but yeah, you're right. There's there's I hadn't thought of that. There's a lot of parallels there. Mm. Um, I also love the setup here that uh it's not we're not just going to go to a prison but we're going to like the fire nation version of alcatraz yes funny you should mention that apparently they did use alcatraz island as like a reference point for building this prison so like the way it looks the idea that it's like uh it's a real world island prison it was actually nicknamed the rock mm -hmm. and so like there's all it, and then um, no one ever escapes Alcatraz famously, right? Like, I don't even know if there's ever anybody who has, um, or if there has, it's few, right? Yeah, there, there are, there, the hard, the, the tricky part with Alcatraz, and it's going to be true of Boiling Rock, is like, even if you manage to get, like, out of the prison part, then it's just the beginning, because how are you going to get across the water, um, those aren't safe, easy to, easy to travel water. So there are people who escaped from Alcatraz, but the question is what happened to them after right. they escaped? Did they make it to land? Um, so there's all kinds of like, like there's, I mean, there's, there's famous movies ab about people who, you know, and kind of legends about people who maybe escaped, but, mm. but, but there is no clear proof of people escaping. Yeah. And, and if it's funny too, because like, if you think about, um, on Avatar Wiki, they were saying like San Francisco Bay is also famously very cold. Like, I don't know, mm -hmm. I've never touched the water. I've never been to the bay and, and, like, been in the water. But apparently it's frigid. And then the idea that, like, this is boiling water that you can't get through. So either way, it's impassable. It's just un you're unable to, to escape. Yeah. Well, I've actually been to Alcatraz. So nice. It was, it was pretty cool to look at this and be like, oh, this constantly reminds me of Alcatraz. Like, like it, the prison doesn't exactly look like that. But there are definitely elements that feel... Mm -hmm that feel like that. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I loved this idea of, uh, and there's, and, and, and it becomes a tension the whole way through this episode because there is even the like, okay, even if we can get here, we still need this next plan and this next plan and this next plan. Mm -hmm. So Sokka sort of feigns like he's going to sleep. 
and then we cut to later that night and everyone is sleeping but we see Sokka kind of sneaking off uh, and he climbs onto Appa and finds that Zuko is also kind of hiding up in the saddle and he says you're not up to anything huh and Sokka startled and falls to the ground and he says fine you caught me I'm going to rescue my dad are you happy now and Zuko says, I'm never happy. It's so good. It's such a good line. He kind of growls it almost like uh, Christian Bale as Batman. There's something yes. like um, it's it's both like it's a great line. It's it's kind of funny and not funny. And it's it seems just like a perfect character beat for uh, for Zuko. And they don't go deeper into it. But it's like, yeah, he's like not in a place where he's not he's not trying to be happy at this point. That's not. That's not kind of where the priorities are. And Sokka says, look, I have to do this. The invasion plan was my idea. It was my decision to stay when things were going wrong. It's my mistake and it's my job to fix it. And then he drops the hammer. I have to regain my honor. You can't stop me, Zuko. And uh, Zuko says, you need to regain your honor. Believe me, I get it. I'm going with you. Mm. Now, it made me wonder, we've seen Zuko talk about regaining his honor. We've seen Aang, I think, talk about regaining his honor. Now we're hearing Sokka talk about regaining his honor. Um, Have we ever heard a non-male character articulate regaining my honor? Ooh, that's a really good question. Because I was just trying, as you were saying that, I was like, has Katara? Has Katara? Mm, I don't think so. I don't think so. Wow, that is a very mm, male. It makes me wonder, you know, and let's even take it out of our world. In the Avatar world, is there a is is honor a gendered thing? Mm. You know, is it a gendered cultural concept within uh, within the Avatar world where, where that becomes deeply significant there, but maybe less so in uh, less you know less so for for women. That's super interesting. Has Toph? I don't think Toph ever said anything like that either. No, that doesn't. It doesn't even seem like a concept I could. I could imagine her bringing up. Yeah, yeah. Huh. I like that thought. Is honor something that is that that you think of as a gendered concept? Me personally. Yeah. yeah. Now we're moving it out of the Avatar world. Um, and just like. Yeah. Yes, I do think so. I think. Uh, women are taught humility we're taught that that's ingrained in us we're also taught to um accept that we don't know everything that we can't know everything that we uh that there's things that we will never be able to do right like and it's unfortunate right like of course you don't want like your kids growing up thinking that about themselves but that's kind of how it's taught so i don't know that there i i to think that like I had honor that I have now lost and must regain, like that is a concept that feels a little bit foreign to me. I don't mm-hmm. know. What do you think? Oh, I think that sounds. I think that's right on the money. And I love the, that you said that. And I want us to hold on to an idea um, for when we get to part two, mm. because you said that you're you were taught culturally humility, right? Mm. And which made me think of like the opposite of humility is like hubris, mm. right? 
Um, and honor seems like it could be bound up in hubris. Hubris and honor mm -hmm. seem like there are these things. So, so let's hold on to this idea because I want to think about hubris when we get to Boiling Rock Part Two. Yeah. Uh, especially in a gendered sense. Ooh. So can we just tuck that one away and uh, yes. maybe bring that up? Uh, so so remember this, folks, for next week because I, I think there's there's maybe something really uh, really interesting here, uh, and I don't even know what to do with it, but we can we can bring this up, right? So mm. um, so Zuko says he's going with him, and Sokka says uh, says that he has to do this alone. Again, we've heard this. This is all part of this too, right? That there, mm. I think we've heard Ang mention this. We've maybe heard Zuko mention this as well. And Zuko says, how are you going to get there on Appa? Last time I checked, prisons don't have bison daycares. We'll take my war balloon. Mm. And I feel like this is an unnecessary shot at Appa. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. Like, where are you going to hide this bison at this this place? But there is this this sense of like, Appa does a good job of like doing his job, finding a place to hide and showing up just at the right moment. Yeah, right. He can go like fly up in the clouds and get some cloud coverage. Like he's good at doing that. That's what he's been doing this whole time. Yeah, I just feel like the daycare line is the thing that feels like a shot. But, you know, then I think like Zuko doesn't have a lot of Appa experience yet. So, you know, yeah. it, so I'm not upset by it, but it is like, wow, you need to get to know this guy because that's uh, he, he's like a like a storied mythical creature, not uh not a baby that you need to send to yes. daycare. He needs the, the tough moments that she had with Appa where they were really bonding. Yeah. Which makes me wonder if we're going to see that at some point, are we ever going to see Appa flying just with Zuko on? Oh, yes, that'd be a like great moment. Zuko giving him like a little carrot to eat or something. So cute. I or maybe this. something bigger than a carrot. Cause it is <laughs> a, Appa. So a large carrot. Yeah. yeah. A melon or something. <laughs> Um, so the next morning we see everyone at uh, camp at the air temple waking up and they find a note um, that, that's actually like uh, laid on top of Momo as if Momo's using it like a blanket. Uh, <laughs> and it says, need meat, gone fishing, back in a few days, Sokka and Zuko. Uh, so this is, their, this is their cover is gone fishing. Um, I love it. This is like the last thing you would ever assume these two characters would do. Like if they could only go back in time to season one and look at themselves and be like, wow, you know, like, like do you think you'll ever have a note that says I'm going fishing with Prince Zuko? And people will believe it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh, Katara continues to read and it says one more thing, Aang, practice your firebending while I'm gone. Do 20 sets of fire fists in 10 hop squats every time you hear a badger fro frog croak. Zuko. And we see Aang lays back in bed, and then we hear a croaking sound, and he gets up and reluctantly gets to doing his homework. Mm -hmm. And I, this also felt a little bit like Iroh, you know, like Iroh the trainer. I could imagine, because it, 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 it even has like a little um, Mr. Miyagi v uh, vibe to it, where it's like, okay, well, how do you know when to do this? And then he roots it in something in the natural world. You know, mm -hmm. it's not just like do 10 sets of this or that, but it's like every time this thing happens, stop and do this other thing to kind of get you in touch with your surroundings. It feels Iroh-ish and I like that. Oh, me too. Yeah. So from here, we cut to Zuko and Sokka uh, flying through the air in the war balloon. And uh, they're kind of struggling to make small talk. 
Uh, and this is maybe one of the best scenes in this uh, in this episode because you're sort of reminded that it's like, okay, they're off on this mission, but Sokka's probably not 100% happy that Zuko's there. Zuko's not 100% happy that they're going to do this, but he's also not going to let Sokka do it on his own. These are people who don't really have something to talk about, and they're now up in the flying in this little basket in this war balloon. Um, so there's this this struggle to talk, and Sokka kind of looks around and says, uh, pretty clouds. And Zuko's like, yeah fluffy and then it's all been in in situations like this before right where it's like what do i even i'm gonna comment on something around me because like i don't know like i need to fill the void Mm -hmm. because we're not in a place in our friendship or relationship where we can sit in comfort and silence you know especially when you're in a vehicle when you're in a car with somebody and it's like all right let's try to find something to like ease the boredom of the road but you also don't know enough about what uh what to talk about so some more time passes and finally Sokka chimes in and says, uh, you know, a friend of mine actually designed these war balloons. Yep, a balloon, but for war. <laughs> uh, and Zuko says, uh, if there's one thing my dad, my dad's good at, it's war. Okay, I love this because now it's just like, like what is it called like word association exactly it's like war okay i can i can build off that um my dad likes war right no that's 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 exactly right and it also then like but that is how you lead to a conversation opening up because what that also points to it's both word association and trying to like come up with something to say but there is something about like we sometimes have things within us that we just want to say mm. and we don't even consciously know we're trying to work it into a conversation, but the opening comes up and we just sort of say this thing and mm. it gets this idea out. And then it actually becomes the thing which fuels a larger conversation. So, so he says, if there's one thing my dad's good at, it's war. And Sokka says, yeah, it seems to run in the family. <laughs> And uh, Zuko says, hey, hold on. Not everyone in my family's like that. Sokka says, I know, I know. You've changed. And Zuko says, I met my uncle. He was more of a father to me. And I really let him down. And Sokka says, I think your uncle would be proud of you. Leaving your home to come help us, that's hard. And Zuko says, "It it wasn't that hard. Sokka's like, really? You didn't leave anyone behind that you cared about? And Zuko says, well, I did have a girlfriend, May. And Sokka kind of like lights up at this because he knows May and he smiles. He means he says, that gloomy girl who sighs a lot? <laughs> and Zuko's like, yeah. Everyone in the Fire Nation thinks I'm a traitor, but I couldn't drag her into it. And then Sokka says what might be the greatest line in the history of Avatar. So I'm gonna I'm gonna back up and say and say, do you want to you you do you do uh, you do Sokka here? I'll do Zuko. Okay. Because okay? okay. they're yeah. like the two greatest lines. Or yes. do you want do you want to be Sokka or Zuko in this? Uh, I'll, I'll be Sokka. I'll be Sokka. Okay. Uh, so 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 Zuko says, yeah, everyone in the Fire Nation thinks I'm a traitor. I couldn't drag her into it. Hmm. My first girlfriend turned into the moon. That's rough, buddy. It's so good. <laughs> I laugh out loud every time I watch it. 
Yeah. And, and like this whole exchange is great. The fact that Sokka was like, oh, that gloomy girl who sighs a lot, which was very like Arrested Development. Uh, Her? Uh, Michael being like, egg? <laughs> like, and? Right. Like, what? Which is funny because that's a connection because Mae Whitman is Katara, right? That's true. But um, yeah, like, really? Like, you're into that? And then Zuko should have should have noticed like the slight kind of insult but he was like yeah like he's too he's totally into a gleamy girl who sighs a lot and that's amazing and then this oh the turn into the moon that's rough buddy well because that that's it's like it's like Sokka's version of uh that's if there's one thing my dad's good at it's war Sokka's mm. like you know there's this other thing I want to say too, and I've just found an opportunity to bring it up, you know, and it's, and because it's not like, it's a perfect example of kind of a, an awkward conversation, but it's people who are starting to connect because yes, they're talking about Zuko's girlfriend. It's like, we're not talking about Sokka's girlfriend. You could have said something to keep that line going, but instead it's like, it's like word association again, girlfriend. <laughs> girlfriend yes you know and we realize how much conversation actually is kind of word association and sometimes intentional word association to be like i want to talk about my thing now yes especially when it's with two people that don't super know each other well have some kind of shared history but like not very much and like thinking about like rant like kids in different cliques in high school that end mm -hmm. up in the same place together right and it's like we don't really know what to talk about because we've never seen each other in this scenario or like as a teacher out in public and you see your student and it's like, Oh, like, this is a weird time for me to be with you. What do we do? Like, what do we say? Um, and it's like, it's funny because no one ever grows out of that. I think that that's like forever a part of the human condition. Is right. Like not knowing how to communicate well. What's also interesting is Zuko's response. That's rough, buddy. It would be one thing if he said, that's rough. That would be a perfectly good, funny response. Mm -hmm. But the fact that he tacks a term of endearment onto it yeah. and calls him buddy, like, like, I, I mean, again, these are very small things and we're parsing the, the language in a conversation in Avatar and I realize that's what we're here for. But it's like, but there is something significant to that. Yes. Because I don't know if Sokka's ever had a, or Zuko's ever had a buddy. Or Sokka, for that matter, like, growing up and kind of being, like, the one boy who's training all the kids and, like, That's has true. all these responsibilities. Yeah, like, both of them are kind of in a place where they're, they grew up too quick. Yeah. And even Aang is, you know, younger than Sokka and is also, like, kind of God in a kind of way. So, it's, like, <laughs> yes. it's a weird, it's, a, it's, like, that's a weird experience. That's a good point. Mm. Huh. Yeah. They're both, like, not really with other Especially other boys their age. So, like, this probably feels foreign in so many ways. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, this is... Uh, we're having fun with this scene, too, but, like, uh, this is truly a great scene. This feels like... I was going to say it feels like an 80s movie, but I can't even think of what... It, it feels like just experiences I had in high school, and mm -hmm. it was often when you were driving somewhere which is makes sense because they're in this 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 war balloon right that that you're just like you you s subtly move from awkward small talk conversation to like oh we just had like a, a real point of connection and i i really kind of love that 
And it's this is where the bromance begins, and it only gets better throughout these episodes. That's right. So, uh, so they fly through uh, through the day into the night, and finally Zuko sees the boiling rock on the horizon. He says, "There's plenty of steam to keep us covered as long as we're quiet." Uh, we should be able to navigate through it without being caught. There's a lot of moments in this episode or the, these two episodes where somebody says, as long as we're quiet, as long as <laughs> like that, that's just like, that's the only thing that can go wrong is if we're not quiet. Mm. Um, so as long as we're quiet, we, uh, the steam should keep us covered. So they, uh, they fly over the edge of the volcano and they start to descend towards the boiling lake. Yeah. Which is funny too, because um, in uh, was it the last episode? Um, Firebending Masters? Was that the last one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah um, uh, Sokka was like, how are you going to regain your fire? Are you just going to jump into a volcano? And like throw, like just a throwaway kind of like, yeah, that would be ridiculous. And then it's a thing that happens literally the next episode that Sokka has to do. <laughs> I have never thought that. That's I love that. Is, isn't That's it amazing? really I interesting. Like, I feel like Sokka's always like, joking and then predicting things like going up and just knocking on the door of the fire lord's um palace and like that's literally what they do in the day of the black sun it's like i just want to go back and listen to everything Sokka says as a joke and be like "Mm, how true is this though like is this actually going to happen that is so fascinating that they that i I do kind of want to watch rewatch the show and look for like little seeds of things like that Mm -hmm. that's because it it's i mean it's one thing if you do that within an episode it's another thing if you do that stretching over multiple uh multiple mm-hmm. episodes um so as they start to fly into the volcano and descend uh zuko starts to lose control of the balloon and Sokka says the air outside is just as hot as the air inside we can't fly so now again we're seeing i feel like like Sokka is becoming sort of like a more fully realized character. So we're Mm. seeing instead of this struggle between identities of like warrior and leader and scientist and this and detective is like, now he's just kind of all of these things. They're all like parts of him. Mm-hmm. Cause it's a great like scientist Sokka moment. Cause he knows he understands how the war balloon works really well. Cause he, he actually helped to design it. Notice he yeah. didn't bring that up. He's like, the person who cracked the war balloon problem, <laughs> you know, yeah, but he, but yeah. he doesn't bring that up. Um, so they end up crash landing into the boiling lake uh, and running ashore on the prison Island. Uh, the balloon, however, is destroyed at this point. Like it's in this boiling lake and, you know, plus you have the problem of the hot air. So Zuko says, how are we going to get off the Island if the balloon won't work? And Sokka says, we'll figure something out. I suspected it might be a one-way ticket. And at this, Zuko gets kind of upset. He's like, you knew this would happen and you wanted to come anyway? Sokka says, my dad might be here. I had to come and see. Uh, Zuko says, my uncle always said I never thought things through. But this, this is just crazy. Sokka says, hey, I never wanted you to come along in the first place. And for the record, I always think things through. But my plans haven't exactly worked. So this time I'm playing it by ear. So there. I find that conversation really interesting um, because it's this other point where you're seeing both of them are learning from their pasts in kinds of ways that Zuko is actually like thinking about. It shows that he's actually had been listening to Iroh this whole time. Right. Yes, because Iroh has critiqued him in the past. Of like, you never think things through. 
like what's your next step like you act on your anger or you act on uh your frustration and then but what like for what and so now it's like he's trying to actually and, and almost like continue his master identity like with Sokka and be like these are things that I know because I learned the hard way and so we need to be able to also learn from Iroh in any situation and what's 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 tough to hear with what Sokka says is that he's he is actually a great planner. That invasion mm. plan was a great plan, um, mm-hmm. but he's sort of feeling like okay, whenever I whenever I plan things, things go wrong. So it, it it's both sad, but he also feels like he's trusting himself. He's like, you know what? I trust that we'll figure something out. Yeah, you know that that I've made enough plans that both didn't work to know that you can't just trust. Here is the plan, but also I know enough to know that there's always ideas, and ideas always get you somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what he does next is I think really interesting, uh, which is he pushes the broken war balloon into the lake into the lake so it'll sink away. And Zuko says, "I hope you know what you're doing. There's no turning back now." Now it's interesting to think about, like, you know, there there are moments where, like, you know, burning the ship behind you is uh, this sort of statement of purpose to say, you know, we're, there's no turning back. That's a weird thing to do on a rescue mission, <laughs> because the point is not to now we're here and committed, but the point is we need to get out of here. Yeah. Um, but it also creates this interesting image of how dedicated Sokka is to this mission to say mm-hmm. like I don't know what I don't know what we're going to do but I know that we need to do it. Right. Yes. And like hopefully we can innovate a way out of it because that's playing to his strengths too as we just said like he he's good at failing up, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's good at at losing and then and then being able to like regain some of that ground uh and like actually complete a mission. Um there's also this sense, though, that he's he's thinking like, if my dad's here in prison, mm. maybe I should be too. Yeah, and it's like so, like, like maybe the goal here isn't just isn't necessarily to get his dad out of prison, but it's to be with his dad, whether that's in prison or out of prison. It's like I kind of deserve the same lot he does, and this could be the non-bender in him feeling like, what is my role with 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 all the like powerful benders, I should go, I should be where Hakoda is. Yeah. It's interesting that, so you, I can understand, I can empathize with why Sokka would be willing to even like risk death in order to make this happen. It's interesting to think that Zuko would do the same, especially when he, he had just got into the gang. He's just starting to train Aang and to potentially lose that is like a big, that's a big ask. I don't know. It's it's interesting to think of like why Zuko would do that. I think so. Let's speculate why. I mean, mm. I, I think it's, and I I don't mean this in a kind of manipulative way, but it's it's about ingratiating himself as part of this family. It's like to be part of this family is to say you're not going to go do this alone. And I think when Sokka invokes mm. that idea of honor, it's like that is a language that um, and a currency that that uh zuko understands and he's like when i was on my quest to restore my honor i thought i had to do it alone yeah but iroh was always there with me and i realized how important that was in hindsight so Mm -hmm. if you're going to go restore your honor let me be your iroh 
because right. you know because Iroh, I mean, we still don't know where he is, right? But but Iroh w- walked away from a particular life of ease and comfort and power, you know, to embrace exile with Zuko. Mm-hmm. So he he really is mirroring Iroh in that way too. Yeah, and I think that's that's also what made me feel as though honor in the sense that they were talking about it at the start of the episode felt very masculine. Honor is something I regain, I regain it on my own. And so yeah, I could see I could see Zuko saying like, "Oh yeah, see, I thought that too." <laughs> Uh, but it's something that you have to do with other people, which is the theme of this whole series, right? Is like Aang can't do what he needs to do unless he's with his friends mm-hmm. and they are helping him, right? And and so and so maybe honor isn't something that's mine. Honor is something that's ours. Like mm-hmm. honor is something that we we can regain together. It's also probably a symbolic of the fact that like Zuko's seems like he's kind of done thinking about himself. Yeah, true. I mean, he's pretty selfless throughout this episode where mm-hmm. it's like this this isn't a like like maybe to the extent that my life isn't about me anymore. Right. I mean, even thinking about how he traveled with Iroh the first and second season, it was always it was always Zuko calling the shots even though Iroh knew far better what they should be doing most of the time, right? Mm-hmm. He and now it's like, "Okay, Sokka, you get to decide. Like it's your plan or your plan or your lack of plans, but either way, I'm going to follow you." Right, right. So it, I mean, it, we've talked a lot about the growth in characters, and I feel like we we're, we're seeing the fruits of some of that here. Mm. Mm-hmm. So from here, we cut to inside the prison, and uh, and Zuko and Sokka have stolen prison guard uniforms with helmets. So they kind of that was there was a commercial break there, and they kind of yada yada the like. So now we're on the prison. We're on like the the island in the volcano, and we didn't get to see how they got there, but it's like they got there. <laughs> I'm not quite sure how that works, but I'll just let that slide. Yep, yep, yep. Um, so uh, Sokka says, "Now we just need to lay lo- or we just need to lay low and find my dad as soon as possible." And they see a group of guards run by, and one of them says that there's a scuffle in the yard. So they follow with all the other guards who are running out into the prison yard. So we uh, we're in the prison yard. We see everyone. What seems like a a hundred, a couple hundred people, maybe. Um, all in, circled up with two men in the middle. And one of these men is, is a giant muscular prisoner says, I didn't do anything. I'm going back to my cell. And the other is a guard. Uh, and he kind of creates a fire whip. And he says, stop right there, Chit Sang. And Zuko starts to step in, right? Because he sees, you know, he, he sees somebody in danger. And he's he's going to step in because we know that Zuko has this, you know, from from childhood has this sense of like protecting vulnerable people. Justice, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he starts to step in, um, but but Sokka stops him uh, and holds him back. Uh, and the guard says, uh, uh, and Sokka does that because he he needs to like they need to keep their cover. And the guard says, "I've had it with your unruly behavior." And Chit Sang says, "What did I do?" The guard says, uh, he wants to know what he did. Isn't that cute? And the guard stares at Zuko and Sokka until he gets until he gets a reply at the question. So he's like, like it's just it's one of those things where there's a rhetorical question, but he sort of 
because he made a joke, he's demanding a response and demanding people on <laughs> yeah. uh, on his validation. side. Yes. yes. <laughs> so so Zuko says, "Very cute, sir." And Sokka's like, "Super cute." <laughs> um. And so the guard says, you didn't bow when I walked by. And Chitsang says, what? That's not a prison rule. And the guard says, do it. Chitsang says, make me. And we see the guard walk away and then fire whips at Chitsang. And Chitsang bends fire back at the guard who bends it away. And the guard says, fire bending is prohibited. You're going to the cooler. And the guard points to Sokka and says, help me take him in. So Sokka tells Zuko to meet him there back in an hour, and then Sokka helps escort this this prisoner away. Mm. Do you know? Um, do you know the movie The Great Escape? Uh, yes. Apparently, that's what they call um, the the isolation cells in The Great Escape is the cooler. I was unaware of this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the cooler, the hole, the yeah. Is that like a common phrase that's used outside? I think so. Like I okay. think so. Yeah. It's but it's like literally a cooler. Well, in in this in this in this yeah. it is. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> um, I think it's interesting thinking about this because pr- we've seen a prison before. Like this is not our first rodeo in a Fire Nation prison. Mm. Um, so in imprisoned, we see a prison which is really meant to hold earthbenders, right? There's, uh, at least ostensibly, there's no earth to bend, which sort of takes these people's power away. Now, what's interesting is a fire doesn't seem to require something else to, like, like, like a waterbender needs water. An earthbender needs earth. An airbender needs air, but there's seems like there's always air. Uh, but a firebender doesn't need any elements, so it seems so. It's really interesting that if you think about this prison, how hard it is to hold in check because essentially anybody in this prison who is a firebender, and there are we see that there are firebenders in this prison. It's like they're walking around with weapons. <laughs> yes, yes, with like guns, and it's like. And they're also surrounded by the heat of a boiling lake. And like, again, we don't really know about the source of fire super well, but like the fact that they're surrounded by these, these um, places where they can get heat from is like, that feels like it would always be like a prison break could happen. Like they always have to be on high guard. Right, right. So, so we see that the cooler is going to be one of these places where they try to really neutralize mm-hmm. firebending. So, so that's why the punishment for a prisoner who bends fire is to go to the cooler. Um, we see that Sokka helps the guard put Chitsang into this sort of insulated, frozen prison cell. So from here, we cut to Zuko, who's in the prison guard mess hall getting lunch. And we see that he's still wearing his helmet, although no, none of the other guards are. In the background, one of the guards sitting at a table calls out to him and says, Hey, new guy, I know it's the rule to have your helmet on at all times, but this is the lounge. Relax. And Zuko, kind of playing the innocent new guard, says, But if there was an incident, if I'm not prepared, someone could strike me on the head. And the other guards kind of laugh at him. Uh, and Zuko says, Can a new guy ask you veterans a few questions about the prison? Uh, and here, so here we're establishing some characters we're going to see throughout 
they're not necessarily significant characters, but we're going to see them constantly mm-hmm. throughout this episode. Uh, there's a female guard who says, no, you can't date the female guards. And the male guard says, trust me, you don't want to. And she throws a cup at his head and the others laugh. So we see this sort of like the it's community a- of the prison guards, which also humanizes the prison guards. Yeah. It's almost like a buddy cop situation. And it's like in the cafeteria, really laid back. Yeah. I like the scene. So Zuko says, no, it's not that. He says, the Boiling Rock holds the Fire Nation's most dangerous criminals, right? So what about war prisoners? I feel like this is a really like weird moment because it's it's almost like he's like a journalist asking questions, yeah. but nobody seems to suss that out. Right, exactly. It's like, why would he not know these things before he is hired and like <laughs> working in this capacity? It's a little bit hard to believe, but nah. Yeah, yeah, it's a little sweaty him trying to like, <laughs> like, like get this information out. Um, so then from here we cut to a view outside the prison, and we see a gondola approaching the prison on a cable line. So this is clearly how people get from the outer rim of the volcano to the the prison itself is on this gondola. And we see an old an older man, the warden, step off the gondola, and we see all the others bow to him. Now this is a point where I want to talk about two characters in this episode just in terms of how they look physically and that's the warden and chitsang we haven't talked a lot about chitsang other than he's very tall very broad muscular um the and, and what i like about the design of each of these characters is that they're really well drawn specifically drawn like their faces in a way where they stand out Because one of the things you get with any animated show, especially an episode like this where you're in a prison where there are lots of prisoners, lots of guards, is you almost by definition just to have to have to have like almost like a generic character type. I mean, you can't draw if you have 200 prisoners, you can't design 200 specific characters who all have all these Mm -hmm. little quirks and things like this. So there is it's hard to describe, but there's something about the way that these two figures look that I like that I feel like their faces are there's something unique about the design of their faces Mm -hmm. that makes them instantly identifiable um, as, you know, significant people to pay attention to. Yeah. I really like that you mentioned that because when Mike and I watched it, we were both like, we wonder if, especially the warden, if he would, if they animated him in this really unique way to make him look like the voice actor. And we looked up the voice actor and it didn't really seem like that was the case. And then, but we were like, why is he so unique looking? And I think you're exactly right. Like they need to make him distinct and it's a really smart move. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, we've seen this in the, in the, if you look in the background, sometimes you'll see generic characters and it's like, that person looks too much like, Zhao or that person looks too much like this other person you know it's like so so here you can you can read and th- you know maybe this is because it's a kid show too like you can read pretty clearly oh this is somebody to pay attention to their character design is a little more specific right right it reminds me of um the puppet master too where like mm-hmm. her face was so yes there's a lot of older women in this series but like they made her distinct and also something about it that's like puts you on edge the way that they animated like they made both these characters look very weathered Mm -hmm. um and severe absolutely so we cut back to the cooler and we see chitsang is freezing and zuko uh excuse me Sokka looks in through the window and he says uh it sure looks cold in there 
And the guard says, that's why we call it the cooler. He won't be firebending in there. Then we see the warden approaching the cooler and he goes in to address Chit Sang. And he says, I hear you were firebending trying to escape. You should know better. And Chit Sang, who's nearly frozen at this point, says, I wasn't trying to escape. And the guard accuses him of lying. The warden says, no one has ever escaped from here. And I'd sooner jump in the boiling lake myself than let that record fall. Don't forget about it. Mm. So we cut to a balcony overlooking the prison yard. And Zuko approaches Sokka. And they're, they're both still in disguise. And Zuko tells Sokka that he asked the other guards. Um, and there's no water tribe prisoners there. And here we see Sokka have a little bit of a breakdown. He's distraught because they've gone all this way. They've essentially, they don't even have an escape plan. They've just put themselves in prison and his dad's not even there. Mm -hmm. And we see Zuko try to console him. Sokka says, we came all this way for nothing. I failed again. And we see Zuko actively trying to think what his uncle would say at a time like this. And even we hear like flute music start to play in the background. And Zuko says, Sometimes clouds have two sides, a dark and a light, and a silver lining in between. It's like a silver sandwich. So when life seems hard, take a bite of the silver sandwich. And we see Sokka, he sees something in the distance and his eyes start to light up. And he says, maybe we haven't failed after all. And Zuko says, that's the spirit. I can't believe that worked. I didn't even know what I was saying. Sokka says... No, you said made no sense at all. But look, and he points to a young woman sitting in the middle of the prison yard. It's Suki. We hear a bell ring. The prisoners are called back to their cells. And we see Sokka's eyes lit up like cartoon hearts. So many good things here. So this is so funny. The fact that Zuko is like half talking to himself about like, oh, man, what would what would Iroh say right now? And like half talking to Sokka, his and failing miserably, but yeah. still it's endearing. It's like it's like Iro Mad Libs he's playing. It's like <laughs> I'm gonna just say these words and if I say them in a kind of way, it's almost like he can hear the flute music behind him. <laughs> you know, the yeah. inspirational because I, I actually assume that's what he's hearing in his head. Yeah. He's like, you know, because he and it, 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 what I love about it is it's sort of like when I when Zuko was hearing those things from Iroh. Clearly, Zuko wasn't really listening to them, and it was just like, oh, but I know like what the cadence of it should be, so I'm just yes. going to say something in that cadence. So, I, and I love the like, wow, I can't believe that worked. <laughs> like, maybe I have the magic too. It's like one of those things where uh, when you're talking to someone and it's very clear they're not listening, and you're like, what did I just say? And then they're like, okay, yeah, what were some of the words you just said? Like, yeah. Dark, light, silver, something like that. You know, it's clearly just, it's lost on them. Something about a sandwich? Yeah, right. <laughs> and then Suki. Yes. What? Sam, you were so happy, weren't you? I was. Now, I have to say, previously on, when the previously on was so Suki heavy, I was excited because I thought, well, we know she's coming back. She's either dead or she's coming back. And 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 I figure this show's not dark enough for her to die, especially in that way. So I knew she was coming back at some point. So I was... I kind of figured she would be there, but I wasn't quite sure. But I was so excited. I I will say this. Uh, spoiler alert, Hakoda's going to end up at this prison. I was way more excited to see Suki than Hakoda. <laughs> right? 
And she's only cooler. Like, there's not ever a moment when I'm disappointed in Suki. Like, she no. only gets cooler and cooler. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and um, it, yeah, it's, 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 I think this episode, the two parts of this episode really reveal a lot about her that I, that I kind of knew and I love. And when you think too, another thing that's really cool about her is like, so we see her from high up, kind of far away, uh, Sokka finds her. She's sitting alone on a rock. She looks like a teenage girl, which mm-hmm. she is, right? Short bob hair, really cute, small, small frame teenage girl, surrounded by big, beefy, fire-bending men. And, like, she is in the same prison as them. She has to have the same level of, like, security on her at all times because she can she could get out if she wanted to, or she could fight back if she wanted to. And like, that's the dopest thing. Yeah. I mean, this is a fire nation, supermax Island for the yeah. most dangerous criminals in the fire nation. And this girl is there and it's like, we know, Oh yeah. She like, you need to put her in a place like this. Yes. But you could so see how she would be underestimated based on appearance and age. Right. Yeah. 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 I, you, you, you cannot know how excited I am <laughs> and how excited I am that she's, I think, just here for the duration now, like in mm. the show for the duration. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, so we fade from here to Suki lying in her bunk alone in her cell, standing up. She even looks like, uh, at this point, like somebody who knows how to do time in prison. <laughs> you yes. know, like, like she doesn't look, I mean, Physically, right, she looks like this small, like you said, potentially like vulnerable girl, but she's also like somebody who knows how to do five years in, in, yes. in, in a supermax. She's like sitting on this on this cot and like her arms are like her elbows are on her knees and she's like she just looks like she's like, Yeah, I've, I've done this. Well, actually at this point she's laying on her back, looking up oh, at the yes. ceiling and the cameras and the ceiling. This is the same shot. You get of at the very beginning of Apocalypse Now of of Martin Sheen laying in, in Saigon, laying on his bed, staring up at the ceiling fan, and like he's a like an army ranger, like super soldier, and you're like, yeah, Suki's kind of like an army ranger super soldier. Yes, she's just sitting. She's like waiting. She's waiting. She knows something's gonna happen. Her mm-hmm. time will come soon. Yeah, she's so, so cool. I love her. Uh, we might just need to do a new series of podcasts that are just like Sufi. Sufi, I can't even say her name right. Suki fanfic. <laughs> oh, and we'll God. just we'll just write stories of her like taking out armies and stuff. Like yes, and being in many different prisons. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so uh, so she's lying there, and then the door opens, and a guard walks in, and Suki says, "What is it? Did I do something wrong?" And the guard says, "You mean you don't recognize me?" And she says, you people all look the same to me. And the guard says, oh, then maybe you, you'll you recognize this. And he leans in to try to kiss her. And she throws him across the prison cell. And his helmet pops off to reveal Sokka. <laughs> <laughs> Which also, like, that's an important scene as well. Because, like, they're not going to get into this in a kid's show. But, like, what you just described, again, this supermax prison with all these dangerous male criminals and this young cute girl in it like Mm -hmm. as adults you know like how dangerous that situation is Mm -hmm. and and you think to yourself like why is nobody messing with her and it's like we just saw because because nobody there could yeah could stand up to her like Mm -hmm. yeah um so it, it 
and this is a dark thing I'm going to say, but it feels like this is maybe not the first time she's encountered this in prison. Yeah. And she knows how to handle herself. Yeah, for sure. Um, so now, okay. So we'll, we'll, we'll move past that and get to like the, the <laughs> re-meet cute of this. Um, so his helmet comes off uh, and, and she realizes that it's Sokka. Um, <clears throat> and she, she rushes to him. And Sokka says, the other Kyoshi warriors, are they here? And Suki says, no. I don't know where they are. They locked me up here because I'm the leader. And Sokka says, well, you won't be here for long. I'm busting you out. And Suki says, I'm so glad I knew you would come, which is an important statement because if we think about the last time Suki's name was invoked, it was during the invasion. And this is in the previously on. And Azula is saying, is talking about Suki and said, yeah, she kept saying you were going to come for her. And then she gave up on you <laughs> or yeah. something like that, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, 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 but then we see Suki and she's like, no, I knew you would come. I yeah. knew you, like she actually didn't give up. There's also, I mean, this is also framed very much like uh, the, the star Wars prison escape from the death star where Luke comes in, you know, as a stormtrooper, and then kind of like, it's like he forgets he's wearing his helmet. <laughs> So she's responding to him one way and he's a little bit like, what? So yeah, yeah. isn't it the line? Like, aren't you a little tall for a stormtrooper? A little short for a stormtrooper. Or a little short yeah. for a stormtrooper. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so then we see outside the cell uh, and this is, this is Zuko as like good wingman, right? Like, <laughs> like Zuko outside the cell um, kind of watching guard. And we see him knock on the door to let them know that another guard is coming. Uh, and a female guard, the same one from before, uh, approaches and says she needs to go into the cell. Uh, and Zuko tries to say that she can't go in because the lights are out and the prisoner could sneak up on her. But when the guard refuses, Zuko doesn't really have another option. So he attacks her. Mm -hmm. um, and in the scuffle, it creates enough distraction for Sokka to slip out of the cell. The female guard calls out for help uh, and claims that Zuko's an imposter. So Sokka has no choice but to come to her aid and arrest Zuko. And Sokka whispers to him, don't worry, I'll figure it out. So this is also like a, a, a sign of the fact that the links Zuko will go to really be like, yeah, I'm here for you, right? Mm. Um, it's like he basically gave up his, his identity and he's actually the more dangerous one there because he's the disgraced traitor Fire Nation prince. Yes. And he's like, well, I don't know what else I'm going to do, so I'm going to give myself up. I'm going to sacrifice myself for you. Because mm -hmm. for all he knows, they could just kill him, right? I mean, he's a he's a, a traitor. They're for sure going to imprison him, and he's already in a place that's impossible to uh, to break out of. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't really have like the safety net of being royalty anymore. If anything, it's like he burned all those bridges. So <laughs> uh, he's yeah, like high priority. Uh, it would it would be amazing, an amazing day to catch him. And, I, and it also maybe, and this is, I think you know, we talked about why Zuko would go on this. I think that this is also symbolic of the fact that Zuko kind of has nothing to lose at this point. I mean, mm. he's kind of already given everything up. So, and that is almost freeing to him as well. So like he can go do a mission like this. He can go step into this because like, there is a little bit of like, well, what do I care at this point? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I, then, I yeah. Yeah. For, and then it's kind of cool too, because what we see is like, 
this reminded me a lot of Aang and Zuko escaping in season one together uh, with the, I think the first time we see the blue spirit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what was the name of that episode? The blue you're spirit. The, oh, yep. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I was going to say you're better at names, but I guess I already said it. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of proud of myself. So it reminds me of the blue spirit in that, like, it's also a prison break. It's And you start seeing Zuko... Uh, and Aang act like kind of one unit. Like they they don't even really need to express what's going on. They're just like, yeah, we trust each other enough that like we'll come out of this okay. And you see that here already with Sokka saying like, it's going to be okay, I'll figure it out. Like he has no plan, like <laughs> clearly. Uh, and, and he said like, yeah, I, I burned all the plans. Like he literally did when he pushed everything into the lake. And it's like Sokka or Zuko's like, all right, then yeah, I guess... I'm uh, I'll just follow you. Well, and let's think about this. They went there to restore his honor to save his, his father. His father's not even there. Now he found his girlfriend <laughs> and he's like, okay, now we're going to get her out. And Zuko's like still on board. Yeah. 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 I, 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 I love Zuko. Yes. Ultimate wingman. <laughs> You're right. So we cut to Zuko. Now he's in a prison cell and the warden comes in and says, well, 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 I've never thought I'd find you here, Prince Zuko. And Zuko asks how he knows who he is. And the warden says, how could I not? You broke my niece's heart. (laughs) It's just great. That line, I was kind of like, not like you, you, uh, you know, are the crown prince. You yes. uh... <laughs> you are famously a double exiled traitor. It's just like like the number one enemy of the Fire Nation from within the Fire Nation. But no, you broke my niece's heart. Yeah, I mean, at some level, like that's a really devoted uncle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Zuko says, you're May's uncle. I never meant to hurt her. The warden says, you're my special prisoner now. There's something weird about that that uh terminology (laughs) you're my special prisoner now and you best behave if these criminals found out who you are the traitor prince who let his nation down why they'd tear you to shreds zuko says so uh, what's in it for you why don't you just tell my father and collect the reward the warden says oh in due time believe me i intend to collect now it's interesting that the warden says you know like you you better you know you better behave yourself because if these people find out who you are they'll tear you to shreds it's like these are also people who are imprisoned by the fire nation so it made me wonder like some of them might be uh, like rebels against the fire nation but some of them are also maybe like loyal fire nation people who just were were popped for crimes like you know robbery murder things like this but so, like, I, I actually wonder, could he help lead to an uprising of this place because mm-hmm. they're imprisoned by the Fire Nation? Or would even prisoners feel that he is this terrible thing because he's, yeah. Yeah, it makes me wonder how many people maybe Zuko had a hand in putting in that prison, too. Like, now, you know what I mean? Um, and maybe not, but... I just feel like the the crown prince could have been somebody who could have said, like, the, you know, could have very easily put someone away. Right. But he's only he's only been back for a few months, not even That's a few true. months, a few weeks. And so. he was already kind of 
in a place of change by that yeah. time anyway. Yeah. 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 So I, I just think that's interesting. It's interesting, um, you know, what game the uh, the warden's up to. I think he just would like to keep Zuko's identity to himself because mm-hmm. that is a piece of information is power and it's a piece of information that he has that other people might not. Although Zuko is also one of the most distinct looking people because of the scar. So does does other people not look at him and say like, Oh, aren't you the prince? Yes. (laughs) But who knows? (laughs) Uh, So we cut to uh, a basement area of the prison where the prisoners are mopping floors. Uh, And Sokka comes down to find Suki and Zuko mopping together beneath a set of stairs. And Sokka's like, oh, good, you guys have met. And Suki says, actually, we met a long time ago. Zuko's like, we did? Suki says, yeah, you kind of burned down my village. Zuko says, oh, sorry about that. Nice to meet you again. I bet Zuko's going to have to say that phrase quite a bit for, for a long time, right? Like, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nice to yeah. see you again. I'm different. <laughs> But it's funny because, like, I, I thought about this. I'm like, well, Sokka was there, too, <laughs> when that happened. But, like, he wasn't making that connection. I think in either way, he wasn't thinking, oh, these people have actually literally fought each other. <laughs> yes. And it's funny, too, because in the background of the scene, you see Sokka and his hands, like, on his face. He's like, I can't believe that I said that. Like, uh, shoot. Like, of course, there's a history there. Right, because he's just at this... It also shows how much he's sort of like... Now just thinks of Zuko as this friend and ally. That it's that he has... Sokka has sort of erased some of that past. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's just like... Oh yeah, I forgot. That's another... Kind of like, like a viewer of the show is like... Oh, I forgot that stuff in season one. Yes. <laughs> it's almost as if Sokka said... Oh yeah, I forgot that episode in season one. Yep. <laughs> Uh, so so Sokka says, so listen, I think I have an escape plan. I checked out the coolers again. The whole point of them is to keep firebenders contained, right? So they're completely insulated and sealed to keep in the cold. Well, to keep in the cold, it also has to keep the heat out, right? It's the perfect boat for getting through the boiling water. And Zuko says, the cooler has a boat, are you sure? Sokka says, I'm telling you, it'll work. I walked around the perimeter. There's a blind spot between two guard towers. It's the perfect launching point. I've already tested it out. We roll the cooler into the water and just float with the current. It'll take us straight across. And as this is happening, we see like this kind of flashback to earlier in the day when Sokka was walking around and he actually puts this little paper boat into the water to see like where the current goes. Mm -hmm. Um, So it actually seems like this, like this pretty great plan. Mm-hmm. He says, as, and then he says, as long as we don't make a sound, no one will notice. Second time, <laughs> it's like all we have to do is be quiet. That's the only thing that can go wrong. Um, and uh, Suki says, but how are you going to get the cooler out? And then we hear a fourth voice repeat the question. And we pull up to reveal that Chit Sang has been listening in on Sokka's plan. And he jumps down from the stairs. I hear you hatching an escape plan, and I want in. And Zuko says, there's nothing to get in on. And Sokka says, yeah, the only thing we're hatching is an egg. (laughs) Uh, And both Zuko and Suki sigh. 
Uh, and Chitsang says, okay, well, I come with you, or the warden hears about this egg too. And the group reluctantly agrees that they have no choice but to let Chitsang in. And Sokka pulls out a wrench and hands it to Zuko. He says, now first we need someone to unbolt the cooler from the inside. And Chitsang says, oh, I can get you inside. <clears throat> so it's... I, I like the fact that Chitsang is becoming a, a a a character here. Yeah, he's still uh. um, he's still someone I don't trust. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's still, I mean, it's he's not in it for any altruistic reasons. He wants to leave, and that's fair. <laughs> yeah, his, his motivations are clear. There is an interesting thing in that first scene where the thing that he gets sent to the cooler for is firebending, but the thing he gets in trouble for. It's, it's not really about a rule that he broke. He mm-hmm. didn't do something. That's not a rule. But the warden, it's like it's like the or excuse me, the guard is just messing with him. Mm-hmm. So he is clearly being like singled out and kind of picked on. Now he probably has done some other things as well to um, you know, but but it's it's kind of like he seems like the biggest guy in the prison, you know, and yeah. um you know, one of the things that, that you hear in movies is like the advice people get when you go to prison is like pick a fight with the biggest guy right away because that'll establish kind of who you are. So maybe this is the prison guard version of that, which is if we constantly pick on the guy who seems like the biggest, most powerful guy, that will establish that all of you should stay in line. So I think mm-hmm. I think he ends up being the the scapegoat for a lot of things because it's uh, it's a symbol. So you can imagine you know, doubly why he wants to get out of there. Absolutely. Now, one of the things that's interesting about, as I think about them hatching this plan is how easily in this, in this prison, the guards can just go in and out of cells and how like there seems to be this ease of movement. And at one level, it's like, well, that all seems really convenient and a little Mm -hmm. strange, but then I keep remembering it's almost like that security is less important because like how are you getting out of here? Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's like, there's, I mean, yeah, I never thought about that before. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so, right. so you, so you get out of your cell. So what, what what's, what's your next plan? Yeah. It's like, you need to have three or four plans to get anywhere. Cause even this cooler plan, right? So we sail across the Ridge. Now what you're yeah. still on this volcanic Island. <laughs> In the you know in the middle of the ocean, so it's it's uh yeah like like that excuses some of these other things where you're like it seems a little strange that guards just can like pop into cells and all this stuff and yeah and also makes me feel better about like our heroes going in with no plan because it's like you can't really have a plan in a situation like that right like right especially because they didn't even know exactly what they were walking into exactly. So, so Chit Sang says, oh, I can get you inside. And now we cut to another great scene. Uh, so they, Chit Sang and Zuko, they kind of wander out into the open from this place where they were hiding. Um, and they are both, they both start mopping the floor again. And they have this great staged altercation where Zuko backs into Chit Sang and he overreacts. Uh, and then with great, uh, and then there's a great, one of the great jokes from this episode, maybe from the series. Zuko says, hey, watch who you're shoving. And Chit Sang says, I think you mean whom I'm shoving. And they start to have this big fight and everyone's kind of, 
everyone's watching. The guards are up on the like the kind of balcony above watching. Uh, and in this fight, uh, Zuko firebends at Chit Sang. And it's only at this point that a guard says steps in and says, no firebending in the cooler. And mm-hmm. Zuko is taken away. Love so, the grammar joke. What's that? Loving that. Loving the grammar joke. Yeah. I think that sold Chit Sang for me. Yeah, because it shows that he has... Uh, I was going to say has the heart of a poet, which he may he may or may not. I don't know, but there's but there's more to him there. Yes. You know, any anybody like that who's like very into grammar, like you have to love in a particular kind of way. Right, exactly. Uh, so we cut to later that day, uh, and we see the cooler door is opened by Sokka, who's kind of overperforming his role as a prison guard, and he says, "I can take you back to your cell if you've learned your lesson." And we see Zuko secretly firebending to keep himself warm. Which is cool because, okay, so I was reading on um, on Avatar Wiki that, like, they were going to have more scenes about this and say, like, yeah, someone who's in the cooler, like, usually it's for a certain amount of time and then they, like, can't firebend because of how cold it is. Like, they don't have that ability for, like, a week after. So it's, like, the sustained issue um, so the fact that Zuko is inside the cooler and able to still warm himself is like showing that he has this ability beyond kind of anyone else at that prison or anyone else who's ever been in the prison before. That's really interesting. Cause it, it, what it made me think of, it seemed like a callback to, uh, the siege of the North mm-hmm. pole when, remember Iroh is telling Zuko about how to use firebending to keep himself warm when he's yeah. in this frozen air is like, remember your fire, remember your fire breath, right? Cause not everybody can breathe fire, you know, even firebenders. So it's like, um, it, it, it feels to me like this echo of this, this trick that Iroh taught him. Yeah. Um, because that was, Iroh said like, that was the key to this is as you're, you're going to freeze otherwise, except you have this ability. You just need to use it. Which is such an IRL way of looking at firebending. Like it's it's something that can be really useful and doesn't have to be destructive. And it's like actually about like sustaining your life. Uh, yeah, it's like the IRO who used firebending to warm his tea when he got the bad tea in the train station. Right. Um. So so Zuko says, uh, "Yes, I have completely learned his lesson," and he smiles to reveal all the bolts that he's removed hidden in his shirt. Kasaka had given him a wrench in the earlier scene. Um, Sasaka whispers, I got Suki and Chitsang out of their cells a few minutes ago. They'll be waiting for us at the shore. And then Zuko hears footsteps and pulls Sokka into the cooler. And we hear two guards, again, the same, the, the, the male and female guards, um, passing by talking. And one of them says, yeah, new arrivals coming at dawn. Anybody interesting? Nah, just the usual. Some robbers, couple of traitors, some war prisoners. Though I did hear there might be a pirate. <laughs> Funny line. Uh, and he, and at the word war prisoners, we see Sokka look at Zuko. And Zuko says, it could be your father. Sokka says, I know. And Zuko says, well, what should we do? Are you going to go ahead with the plan? Or are we waiting another night? And Sokka says, I don't know. Is it right for me to risk Suki's freedom, all of our freedom, on the slim chance my dad is going to show up? And Zuko says, it's your call, Sokka. I know that we we get really into like specific word choice, but I love that Zuko says, 
or are we waiting another night? It's not even a question of, are you going to stay back? Am I going to go with Suki and Chitsang? It's like, no, nah, we're in this together, the two of us. There, yeah, and there's also, like, and this goes back to something you said earlier, that Zuko's like, it's your call. Like, mm. I'm not here. I am here to support you in whatever you do. Um, and, and so this, you know, you were talking about how earlier Zuko was very much centered on himself and Iroh kind of had to just, it was Iroh saying, whatever you say, Prince Zuko, mm-hmm. you know, but now, now he's in the Iroh role and it's like, you know what, whatever we do, whatever's going to happen, I'm with you. It's your call. Which is so great because it's like, you see this whole time. Zuko doesn't see himself as being like Iroh and he's trying so hard to like, make tea jokes and do the things that Iroh would do. But like in his actions, he is very much being Iroh. Like he is actually fulfilling that role. 100%. So from there, we cut to the shore at night and we see Suko and Chitsang are waiting. And suddenly they see Sokka and Zuko rolling the detached cooler down the hill towards them. Uh, Chitsang says, took you guys long enough. This is my girl, my best buddy. They're coming too. So, I mean, I mean it's actually really like that moment too because it's it's there. It's like, because Chitsang isn't tied up in all of the other drama. So he's, it's like, it's like we're peeking in on his own prison break episode. And he's like, mm. we don't know who these other two are, but he also has these two other people. And, you know, and, and I, so I really like that, that it, it points to this larger world. It also shows that there's at least one other woman prisoner in this. Yes. Uh, you know, in this. So, so I wonder, like, who is she? How dangerous is she that she's in the Supermax as well? Same. Yeah. So I, I would, I think I would just watch like a Boiling Rock TV show or, you know, Me just too. to learn more about it. Or maybe like a, a documentary about Boiling Rock. Yes. Over the years. Yeah. Like yes. a Ken Burns documentary, Ken Burns Boiling Rock. I would watch that. Yeah. And they like ID some of the big names that came through the prison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The legends and lore of Boiling Rock. Yes. I would also watch like a Ghost Hunters episode set at Boiling I was Rock. See, I feel like it'd be a really good haunted mansion kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so he says, you know, that, that, that they're coming too. And Sokka says, fine, everybody in the cooler, let's go. And we see Sokka pull away some rocks to reveal his water tribe clothes and equipment, his sword. And Zuko says, are you sure you want to go? You're the one who said you wanted to redeem yourself, redeem your honor. Rescuing your dad is your chance. Suki says, your dad? So this is the first time that she's been made aware of why they're there. Mm -hmm. Um, And Sokka says, if I had just cut my losses at the invasion, maybe we wouldn't be in this mess. Maybe sometimes it's just better to call it quits before you fail. And Zuko says, no, it's not. Look, you're going to fail a lot before things work out. And Sokka's like, that's supposed to make me feel better. <laughs> and he says, even though you'll probably fail over and over and over again. And Sokka's like, seriously, not helping. <laughs> And he continues, you have to try every time. You can't quit because you're afraid you might fail. And Chit Sang says, hey, if you two are done cuddling, can we move on? And Sokka says, no, I'm staying. You guys go. You've been here long enough. And Suki says, I'm not leaving without you. And Zuko says, I'm staying too. And Chit Sang says, not me. I'm out. And he pushes off the cooler Sokka says, we gave up our only chance at escaping. I hope we haven't just made a huge mistake. 
So here again, to your point, like when he's not trying to be Iro, he is very Iro. Like this is this is Iro level advice that he's giving him. Yes, this is advice I need. This is advice everyone needs. And that it just rolled off and like it was enough to convince Sokka to do the thing that he knew he couldn't he couldn't live with himself if he didn't do it. I think I think Zuko knew that. Well, and partially why it's advice that just rolls off is because this is advice that's rooted in his own life and his own experience. It's not him pretending to think what would a wise person say. Mm. It's him speaking lived wisdom. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I also love that Chit saying was just like, nah, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pushes it off, jumps in the cooler, they're gone. Because <laughs> again, for us, this is the central drama. But for him, this is this B-plot side story in his prison escape. And it's like, yes, okay, wanted- touching, great, I'm going to go. I want Chit Singh as the main character for something. That would be, that might be really interesting. <laughs> we also need to point out that it's great Chris Gethard advice. True. I mean, we right? couldn't get through this without a mention, right? Yes. Patron saint of Channel 3900, <laughs> uh, comedian, writer, Chris Gethard, uh, great book called Lose Well. Uh, you should check it out. Um, but it's all about that advice, right? That it's like failure is, 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 is embracing failure is the key to success mm-hmm. and the key to life. Mm-hmm. So uh, Chit Sang takes the, takes the boat out. Um, and then we cut to morning on Boiling Rock. And we see the gondola is moving into the island prison. Chit Sang and his crew are sweating in the cooler as it slowly floats across the lake. Impatiently, he rips off the metal, a metal strip from the cooler and uses it as a paddle. But what does metal do? It conducts heat. Once it touches the water, it gets blazing hot and burns his hands. And he screams out, revealing the escape plan. Because the That's one insane. thing they need to do is keep quiet. So oh. it's also this great like mini little parable about patience. Because the plan is working. It's mm. just moving them slowly across. But the thing you need to do is realize this is going to take a while. But you're going to make it mm-hmm. if, you just, if you just trust the plan. Um, so a guard hears them and signals an alarm and the warden says, get the fugitives and throw them in the cooler. And the guard says, uh, they are in a cooler. (laughs) The warden says one that's bolted and not floating in the water. This is a lockdown. We have new prisoners arriving. Everything must be completely secure. Uh, and they fire a giant harpoon at the cooler and reel it in. I, I also love that the warden He's so, there's something very disturbing about him, obviously. Like, if you have to be the warden of, like, Alcatraz, like, that's probably not, like, <laughs> I mean, it takes a special person, right? Right. And, uh, um, and very menacing, but I love at the same time that all of the guards kind of seem like clowns. Yeah, he, he, like, I just want him to scream out at some point, point like, why am I surrounded by idiots? Like, yes, please. <laughs> you know, but, I, and again, I think part of it is... Yes, it is the biggest lockdown supermax security prison, but because of how it's built, it's like the guards don't really matter that much. Mm-hmm. Like you almost like couldn't you almost do this without guards? Because how are you getting off this place? Yeah. Also, as a guard, would not be super fun to be working there anyway, right? Like you're like out in the middle of the ocean. You're on this boiling. You know. Yeah. I don't know yeah. that anyone's like, yes, yeah, sign me up. Yeah, I don't think it's a good job. I don't think like no. Like 
this is a job you do your time so you can get out and do a better civil service job yes. uh, after that. Um, so we see uh, we see Sokka, Suki, and Zuko uh, stand hiding on the cliff face, watching the gondola with the new prisoners uh, pulling in. And the first guy that walks off is this massive guy, and 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 uh, kind of looks like. Um, uh, Jason Momoa, the guy who plays mm-hmm. Aquaman, um, and, and Zuko's like, "Is that your dad?" And, and Sokka says, "My dad doesn't have a nose ring." <laughs> I know. Again, it's just like it's just this funny like throw off line because you realize Zuko doesn't know, yeah, what to expect this person to look like. He doesn't know that much about the Water Tribe. Doesn't know. So we see all these prisoners come off. And Sokka, sa- Sokka says, if my dad's not there, we've risked everything for nothing. Suki says we had to. So the prisoners walk off the gondola, but none of them is Hakoda. And Sokka is again dejected. And suddenly we hear a guard yell out, hey, you, get off the gondola. And Sokka watches as the last prisoner off the gondola walks off, and it's his father. So we see that he's there, and we fade to black. I will just say that was a great shot of Hakoda. Man is looking good. Yeah. Like, wind blowing in his locks. Like he has that nice, like kind of shoulder length hair too. And it was, Oh, Mike and I were like, this is, um, this is a good look. Yeah. It's definitely like a hero shot of Hakoda kind of low angle. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Very iconic. But it's also, it's also, I'm sure how Sokka sees Hakoda. Like we're kind of in the same way we've seen throughout this show, like other people's visions of people, like we've seen the idealized kind of rosy version of Katara and these mm-hmm. types of things. And it's like, they don't exactly play that, play that up. But I think that's, this is sort of seeing Hakoda through Sokka's eyes. Yeah. It was a hero shot. Yeah. It was a hero. Mm-hmm. So that's boiling rock. Part one. If it was just that, great episode weird ending but great episode like it's it has it, it it's it's very funny you get the prison break you get uh introduced to new characters the warden um and chit sang you get callbacks to characters that we've been wondering about hakoda especially suki you mm-hmm. get this great pairing of uh Sokka and zuko um and i hope that that the dynamic that they're developing here is something that will continue for the last six episodes of the show mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. any other themes or observations again we want to keep this relatively short because we're going to jump right into right into boiling rock part two but anything as as you think about this the first half of this episode hmm one big thing that goes through all of this, I think, is also fatherhood. Like, they're talking so many times, the two boys. And then it's like that classic kind of conversational thing of like, oh, this is like, let me tell you about my dad and let me tell you about my dad, right? And like trying to compare or whatever. But the way that they bonded was was talking about their fathers, was talking about Zuko's lack of a father, his father, he found an Iroh. And so I think it's a, I think that this episode is this two-parter really is interesting if you think about it in a way of like what is a good dad? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like like what does a good dad look like? And um I don't know. What I mean, you're the father here. I'm not a father. So what do you think about all this? Yeah, I uh, I think it's interesting that there is this this 
hero shot of of Hakoda to end because we haven't spent a lot of time with Hakoda. Yeah. So he is still almost like a mythical creature. Mm-hmm. Um, now we've seen some of the edges that he has Sokka's sense of humor, which doesn't always land great with people. Um, but I'm interested to see going forward, if we get to meet Hakoda more, does he cease to be the mythical figure father and become something more rounded? Cause right now he mm-hmm. doesn't feel super rounded, but that's actually a good thing because we're only seeing him through the eyes of, um, through the eyes of his children. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I, we've had some moments of like um, of him showing self reflection of of Hakoda being like like evaluating his actions and and apologizing to Katara. Like there are moments that feel like they're building on a nuance in Hakoda. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I, he- I think that part two does that a little bit too. Absolutely, because he gets to be a character in part two. Now, it's interesting. You said the thing that they bond over is talking about fathers. Mm. The other thing that they bond over is talking about girlfriends. Yeah. And I will say, I mean, we have Suki re, uh, reinserted here. I will say epi- or part two of this episode, more so than being about fathers, to me is about girlfriends, is about mm. soulmates mm-hmm. in that way. Um, and so I think that's really really interesting yeah. uh because you know i will say at this point in you know halfway through this episode i'm like it's good to have suki back i sure wish suki had some more agency or like could be more because she's not really part of the plan other than Sokka's like i'm busting you out i i got her out of the out of her cell so she could come meet us while we bring this boat down and we do this mm-hmm. so it, you know it makes me a little sad that she doesn't doesn't have that so at this point in the episode that's i kind of feel like like we didn't we we don't get to see her be what i think she could be Mm -hmm. we see indications that that you know because of how she is uh uh how she seems to act in that prison that we think of her as this you know this amazing being but we don't actually get to see it uh and i think i think uh I think they're sandbagging a little bit. And I think in part two, we're going to maybe we're going to have a little bit more of that revealed. Yeah. I think, yes, I think it's, it's important to think of it as girlfriends and fathers. Like that's kind of, that's the theme of these episodes. Which, and, which if you're thinking about a teenage boy, like that's, that's the world, big. right? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and even thinking, uh, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but thinking about girlfriends in the way that even like, Sokka depict or Sokka mentioned May as being like gloomy in size a lot, and that's like kind of all we've really seen of her. And Suki so far in part one is like all—I mean, we love her; like she's done so much. But like you said, yeah, there's a little less agency, and um, it's a little damsel in distressy. Yes, she's just kind of following along. She's like, "Oh, your dad? What? I'm not a part of any of the plans." Um, so part two really helps to, I think bring that home yeah and it 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 may even be uh in the same way we're getting this hero shot of of hakoda and we're seeing like we're you know maybe that is through Sokka's eyes maybe the you know when we think about the low angle shot we get of hakoda what is the first shot we see of suki is this high angle shot looking Mm -hmm. down on her her looking very small 
Now then, it from there it cuts to this extreme high angle shot of her lying in bed like Martin Sheen in Apocalypse Now. But Sokka <laughs> doesn't see that, right? So it's like yeah. it's like it's almost like Sokka is still casting a particular vision of her. It's like he's maybe forgotten what she what she's capable of. Yeah. We're, we're 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 heavy foreshadowing one of the great <laughs> hero moments of this show that's coming. Well, and and it's important too because I mean there's not a lot of mentions of UA. I think this might be the last mention of UA in the whole series. And, but that's something that's still in him and that he needed to share with Zuko. And we know that that's like one of his biggest anxieties is that something will happen to Suki. That's similar to something that happened that will happen or that happened to UA. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, there is, I mean, I don't know if I'd go as far to say like dollifying someone, but there is this like, you are vulnerable and I want to take care of you. And uh, I think he needs to realize that's not, that's not really the case. Here's a scene that we're never going to see, but I would love to. It's like, I assume things are going to work out because it's a TV show. Mm. There's a moment where Sokka needs to tell the UA story to Suki. <laughs> Cause this is after they have met, right? They've yeah. met. They, I think they kiss once yeah. on, on Kiyoshi. And then it's like, then he goes, has this other like girl of his dreams who becomes the moon. <laughs> and then it's like back to Suki's. It's like, she's got to hear that story at some point. Right. And that's going to be a little awkward. Right. And also like, oh, I mean, look, Suki's kind of like the best person I think in the whole series. I love her. So I don't think she would ever have to feel like she's in someone's shadow, but like to literally be like, yeah, the moon was my ex and yeah. now it's you. Can we it's take like walks sad... during the day and not at night? It's like a gothic novel. It's like Jane Eyre. It's like this like looming presence of like the woman before. Well, it's like Wuthering Heights. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so sad. But anyway, no, Suki's better than that. Yeah, yeah. I do I do think they won't do a lot of moonlit strolls. I think it just feel it would just feel weird. Yeah, yeah. All right, Annie, let's stop let's stop here. Okay. Um and we'll we'll close the show and we will pick up part two next week. Um and and I will say if you like part one, part two part one is one of my favorite things and part two is even better. It's like, Oh, mm. do you like prison breaks? Well, let's give you one and then let's give you another one. And as you pointed out this, that means this is the fourth prison break in three seasons of avatar. Yes. Cause we have they, imprisoned. We have the blue spirit. Yeah. We have boiling rock part one and then boiling rock part two. If you are right. a kid and you watched all of avatar and you don't know how to break out of prison yet, <laughs> It's you. It's on you at this point. These are important life lessons. That's right. Do you think there's going to be a generation of kids who who grow up thinking having a plan to break out of prison is going to be really important to their adulthood? Yeah, like you just need that in the back of your mind at all times. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Annie, this has been fun. Um, but let's wrap up here. We will be back next week to talk about Book 3 Fire, Chapter 15, the Boiling Rock Part 2.